You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the Lord. We started our meditation on Sunday and we looked at the experience of Paul. And one of the things we said from Paul's case is that we learn these things not to condemn anyone, not for anyone to feel condemned, but to know the truth. And this truth is what sets free. It's unfortunate in our time that people hear truth and think it's condemnation. One of the things for me that I believe anyone who came to church on Sunday should go with is that at any time, T, that you're still alive, you can have a turnaround in your life. And if you refuse to confront truth because you have been bad or you think this thing is bad, then you are also in further denial and under further deception. A doctor that loves somebody now and discovers that this person has some, some serious disease or infection that has gone up to maybe 70, 40%, uh, 80% stage will not say, because I love the person, I will not tell the person he has gotten to 80%. I'll tell the person there is nothing wrong with it. Is that what a doctor that loves? Immediately the doctor will scream, isn't it? Oh, this thing is so, it's gotten to 80, but there's 20% chance. Let's work with the 20. Isn't that what the doctor would do? Now, would it be nice for the doctor to see the person and say, yeah, this thing is already 80% and say, there's nothing wrong with you. Expecting that before you come the next appointment, you die. Is that love? No. So that's why you must come and open up your heart for truth every time. Every day. You look into the world. You must be hungry for truth. Tell me as it is. Tell me so that as long as there is life, they say there is what? There is hope. In fact, the Bible said today is the day of salvation. So you, the only day I hear, I get transformed. Say so we all as, you know, with open faces, beholding it as, as in a mirror. What? The glory of the Lord. I've been transformed. Don't you want to be transformed? The people who don't want truth don't want transformation. Why? The reason you want truth is what? So you can transform and be more like him. Praise God. So we hear this thing. So we see Saul of Tarsus being immediately converted to become Paul. And the Bible gives us what happened. The Lord appeared to him, revealed himself to him. He saw that there were light and there were light. Like we said, every sin is out of deception. Everything anybody is doing is because they don't know better. That's truth. So if I know better, I will what? Do better. So my hunger and desire should be what? To know better so that I can do better. And then my life will be better. Praise the Lord. So Paul saw better. He thought Jesus was to be, you know, Jesus and his disciples should be persecuted. But he now saw that Jesus should be worshipped. And he turned immediately. Okay? Let's read his, um, his commission. Acts 26, I'll read, I'll read from verse um, 12. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. 
17, it says, I'll deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. 18, he said, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Praise the Lord. When we see statements like this, there's a similar one when our Lord Jesus also spoke to the disciples, where he told them, this is what the commission is about. Brothers and sisters, this is what the gospel is about. It's not about many things we make it out to be. I think in the one in Luke where he was telling them after he says to preach repentance and remission of sins. Luke uh, 24 verse, verse 46, 47, 48. Where he told them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. And that what? Repentance and remission of sins should be what? Preached in his name to all nations. This is the gospel. This is why the Bible exists. Praise the Lord. The Bible does not exist for you to know geography. It does not exist for you to know economics. It does not exist for you to know stock market, to know investment. All those things are on the side. Praise the Lord. They are not the commission. Everywhere you see Jesus commissioning people, it is clear what the problem is. The problem is sin and its remission and turning men. You know why? We'll go back to uh, Acts and I'll tell you why. When you come back to this Acts of the Apostles, you see what he said in verse 18. He says to turn them from darkness to light. It means there are two groups of men on earth. Either those living in darkness or those living in the light. Now, I can be in darkness and be a professor. I can be in darkness and be a billionaire. I can be in darkness and be the most beautiful. I can be in darkness and score and have an IQ of um, 1,000 over 1,000. I'm still what? In darkness. I'm still in darkness. The man that is in light may be in light and may be a slave to the one who is a billionaire. It doesn't matter. He's in the light. When the trumpet sounds, um, the final difference will be made. And everything that happened within the period of 100 years or 500 years or whatever that meant would seem as nothing. The story of the rich man and Lazarus. He said to Abraham, please, can you send Lazarus to my family? Meanwhile, what I need is what? A drop of water. That was a rich man. The Bible says he fed sumptuously how many days? Every day. Every day. He didn't avail him anything. This is the commission. Every human being you see is either walking in darkness or in light. It does not matter how light-skinned the person is. It doesn't matter how well, it doesn't matter how sophisticated. It is light or what? Darkness. And Jesus commissioned Paul, he said, what do you do? You turn them from darkness to light. There are only two sides. The other statement there, says, from the power of Satan to what? To the power of God. Every man is operating under one, under the influence of one. Some might think, no, they're just doing science. No, oh, they're just doing music. No, everyone on earth is operating under one power. Either the power of Satan or the power of God. The challenge or the problem is this. Many who are operating under the power of Satan don't know they're operating under the power of Satan. It's the default mode. You know why it's the default mode? Because our first parents signed up and said, come and be the God of this world. So men don't 
consciously choose to be under the power of Satan. It is what is given to us as we come in by reason of inheritance from Adam, the nature of man. So everyone who is walking immediately is under the power of Satan. But it takes a decision. Praise the Lord. It takes a decision at an age where you're not able to make that decision yourself. Your parents and the environment by whatever dedication, baptism, you know, covers you until you come to the time of reason. And then you'll be able to make that choice to say, no, I will no longer be under the power of Satan. I want to be under the power of God. Everybody makes that choice. There's a fundamental one for those of us who have been born again. And the Bible calls us, I say, where the Bible says to us, as many as received him, he gave them what? The power to become sons or children of God. That becomes a, you have the license now. You can now say to Satan, get thee behind me. And he won't knock you. He will actually get behind you. Praise the Lord. So that is what it is. You're either under the power of Satan. But unfortunately, the way it works now is that many people unconsciously are under the power of Satan, but they don't know. Why? Because they look around their lives. They don't see things with horns following them. Praise the Lord. How many of us really gave born again people a tough time before we got born again? Okay, only me. You argued with them. You know, you presented scenarios to them. You told them how much better you were than them. In all of that, you see, Satan had you in bondage and made you think you were free. And you were arguing with those who were free that you were not in bondage. And <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? You see, this is what it is. So one is either under here. And it's important we understand this because it will help us to have a heart of compassion for a lot of people. There are people that you know that are very good. That you almost think they don't need to get born again. You see, in the army of Satan, he keeps different people for different purposes. There are those that he uses them from the area of their goodness. When he needs pride and cockiness, those are the people that say, don't mind them. They call themselves Christians. And he can list how ten times better he is than you. And Paul was amongst them. That's why he was so angry. He looked at his pedigree. He said, what are these people talking he said, what's his name? He said, Peter. He said, which school did he attend? He said, uh, fisherman uh, school. He said, don't you know me? Where, where are you from? Which tribe? He said, one, he mentioned maybe one Kweke Kweke tribe. He said, me, tribe of Benjamin. So he had all of that, and Satan kept him. That's why he was so angry with them. He said, who do you think you are? Don't you know who I am? Have you met those people? So they are under the power of Satan. But what they are counting on, that's what Paul now says, that the things that I counted, as they are now what? Rubbish. Dumb. Okay? So turn them from power of Satan to power of God. And he now says what? That they may receive forgiveness of sins. Okay? So sin is the primary issue. It is the problem. If there were no sin originally, we would just be enjoying every day. Every day will be worshipped. Like what we are worshipping, we will just be worshipping. Praise the Lord. Childbirth will be, you just be laughing, picking go for. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, it won't happen. Praise the Lord. There won't be pimples. How many teenagers are here? <laughs> no weeding. Everything will just be beautiful. Praise the Lord. No death. No tears. No, we won't know what crying means. Do you understand? But sin is what introduced all the problems. So to solve the problem, what is this thing going to be? To remove it. 
Forgiveness of sins, remission of sins. And what is the last one he said there? And an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Notice they called it inheritance, not upfront. Many go to the gospel now for an upfront. The up, we have an upfront. Praise God. Let me not be wrong. We have an upfront. You know the upfront we have? The Holy Ghost. He's been given to us as a seal. How many have the Holy Ghost here? You are too blessed. Hallelujah. If you can pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray in the Just Even if you can't pray in the Holy Ghost, you can shout in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You have, the seal has been given to you. That's the upfront. Assuring that you, your name is there. Your portion is secured. Praise the Lord. So this is the foundation. And this is what must guide the believer. This is what must guide everyone. This is what God sent Paul and sent the preachers, the apostles to declare to us. And as we understand this, it helps us to escape the deception of the enemy. Now let's go back to uh, Luke 4. We, we touch Luke 4. We touch a bit of it as we go on to this evening. In Luke chapter 4 from verse 1, we saw the temptation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see what we are talking about this devil. The Lord had to help us, you know, remind me to remind you that when we say God is infinitely good and the devil is what? Unredeemably, you know, terribly, whatever bad. It does not mean we are putting God and Satan as opposites. No. We are only saying character. We are not saying weight. We are not saying power. Very important. Let nobody imagine. Let me start it this way. What I'm saying, sir, is that the badness of the devil as it is extreme. When God takes it, he turns it to goodness. Are you getting me? The devil, in his, when he wants to be the most terrible eh, against what God wants, that's what the Bible says, God turns it around. He said, these light afflictions, what did they do? Who is the afflictor? The devil is the afflictor. So he comes in his terribleness to afflict the child of God. But what does God do? Because God is greater, he takes his terribleness and what? Turns it so that it works. It doesn't just neutralize it. He turns his terribleness and makes it work for your good. Praise the Lord. That's how much greater God is. You see, God is creator. Satan is creature. You understand? Now, creator originated creature and will terminate creature. Do you understand? So, get it right. We are talking of character, not weight of power or glory or importance. Are you with me? Why must you understand that? As you go through the scriptures, one of the things, you know, we, we said is that the devil is like a goat. He doesn't give up, which, you know, is actually to our disadvantage because many of us, he has tried, 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 and he's still going to try. There is no day you're going to sign peace pact with the devil. Some people are having challenges with sexual sins. They say when they marry. When you marry, it will just readjust. It won't be the same way. Maybe as a single person, you were doing it the other way. When you marry, it will be, they will repackage it and ship it to you again because the devil doesn't say, no, no. Mm-mm. They don't tell the devil, now I'm done. Praise the Lord. Your own was money. You thought when you now get some money, it's okay. No, when you get some money, he'll repackage it. Greed, avarice will come in. Okay? So, what was I saying? Uh-huh. The devil is a goat. Yes. 
That's what I was saying. Uh, I was saying the devil is a god. Why? You see, let's look at the life of our Lord Jesus. Now, follow me. From the account in the scriptures, the Bible tells us that when the wise men told Herod that born in the city of, you know, um, Bethlehem is Savior, the king of the world. Herod, by agency of Satan, what was his agenda immediately? To kill him. To kill him. Praise God. To kill him. Now, Herod was king. Praise God. Jesus was a baby, infant. Satan and Herod, in all their wrath, could not kill Jesus as a baby. That shows you how much power God has. Do you understand? He was not joking. He was so blindfolded that he had to kill every child under two years in a whole city searching for one Jesus who had not started functioning in power. Are you getting what I'm saying? I want you to get tonight how much great, how incomparable both are. But in character-wise, the devil is just so foolish. The same thing happened with Moses. By understanding, they knew the scripture, the, the prophecy, the, the, the word uh, God has spoken to Abraham. 400 years was coming, so they knew that a deliverer would be coming out. Satan inspired Pharaoh to say, kill all the male children. Okay? Kill all the male children. And they started killing the male children so that the deliverer won't come. When the particular deliverer was born, Satan was there looking. They carried the baby. Gave to him and his fear, and they were breastfeeding the baby. What am I saying? Don't fear the devil one bit. When the Bible says submit to God, in fact, if you submit to God, you're not only permitted to resist the devil, you can laugh at the devil. The believer has no reason to worry about anything the devil is doing. He's under your feet. Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter how he's shaking. It doesn't matter the noise that he's making. He, there is no basis for comparison. We also said on Sunday that the devil is wise or crafty. He, he's, he's, he, cannot, he has schemes to achieve his end. But that his wisdom is also a wisdom that cannot be compared with the wisdom of God. They are not on the same level. The Bible talks about the wisdom that is from above. And that's why you and I have to be careful in what wisdom we are praying in. Praise the Lord. There are wisdoms and there are wisdoms. There are wisdoms that are from above. And the Bible says that wisdom that is from above is what? It's pure. That wisdom is peaceable. The wisdom that is trying to get teeth for tat is not from above. It's peaceable, willing to yield. The wisdom that does I must do, I must do, I must do is not from above. Praise the Lord. It's the wisdom of the enemy. Now, but the Bible says something about this wisdom of the enemy. It says this his wisdom when God is involved, becomes foolishness. Why? The Bible says, talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, it said the wisdom which the princes of this world had, okay? But if it was truly wisdom, they would not have what? Crucified the Lord of glory. I want us to learn this thing so that we know where we place everyone that we are talking about. The devil in all his things, these things we say about him, actually come to effect when we deal with him without our heavenly father. When we deal with him in our own power, at our own level, with our own understanding. When you say I've read physics and I've read biology, therefore this is this, and you try to challenge the devil on that, he's older than us on earth. Praise the Lord. 
He is a senior creature on earth. But when God is involved, he is a non-entity. Praise the Lord. When God is involved. So as we say this thing, so we look at the temptation of Jesus. What happened here? When Jesus now got up, you know, after the baptism, he was led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted of the devil. The devil came to him and said to him, you have needs. You have fasted for 40 days, 40 nights, you've not eaten. So make these stones to become bread. And you have the power. I mean, you should have the power. You're the son of God. Okay? What did Jesus answer? He says what? Man shall not live by, but by every word. So trying to still address what we said about needs. Did Jesus say I'm not hungry? Trying to answer that. Did Jesus say I'm not hungry? Very important. Very important to know. We don't deny our needs, but we channel them through the right source. So somebody says, in the Father's church, we don't like prosperity. No, God will prosper us. We are, you see, we are looking for God's prosperity. Not prosperity by, you know, by uh, scheming and all. No. Jesus didn't say, I fasted 40 days, and for the rest of my ministry on earth, I won't even eat. No. He was very hungry. But he just said, my feeding will not be as determined by you. God will prosper you. God will answer your heart's desires. But the devil won't have a hand in it. That's what Christianity is about. Praise the Lord. The beautiful things that God wants to do for us, let him be the one to do it. He said, they will say it's the Lord's word, doing, and it is what? Marvelous. Uh-huh. They won't say it's the pastor scheming. And we knew it. That, no, that won't. Testimonies will be abounding. That's one of the things I've talked. Let me hear testimony. I don't have to vibrate and, you know, engineer. No, let it just be. That way I know that the spirit is working amongst us. Praise God. So he didn't deny. But he said, my need is a necessity, but I will not come down to your level to cooperate with you to get it done. No. I will look to the heavens. Praise the Lord. The next one he said to him was he took, took him up, verse 5, up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I'll give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, it will be all yours. There is one that could take a lot of time. I don't know how I'm going to address all of it, but notice that Satan offered Jesus All the kingdoms of this world. You know, he offered him. Now, this should help you understand the things that are happening in our time. Occultic money. Devil gives money. Devil gives power. Devil gives influence. I've said it here before. If you're a young lady and everywhere you go, 15 men are pursuing you. It's not beauty. Why should 15 men be pursuing only you? And then you go back home and you're feeling cool. You look in the mirror. No, now something is wrong. Do you understand? You don't want that kind of attraction. Praise the Lord. So the devil has influence on earth. He has influence and he gives it. The thing he said here to to Jesus is, if you worship me. So if 15 men are just pursuing you like that, which area are you worshiping him in? What are you giving that is making him put such interest in you? There are some men that don't like people that are beautiful. Though. So if you, yes, 
There are some men that don't like. So anyhow, there will be people that you're not their type. If you become everybody's type, something is wrong. Huh? Praise the Lord. Only you. You are gala, your bread, your cake, your all of that. Huh? So the devil gives things. And you don't want whatever he gives. Like we said, he's bad. Whatever he gives you won't be good. Whatever he gives you will not be good. Then that's why the world will say, oh, this person is, you know, has attained this level of success and he committed suicide. Uh-huh. Devil must make profit. Do you understand? So somebody is in an office, he's rising, he's rising, he's stepping on toes, he's hurting people, he's pushing himself, he's doing all of that. When he gets there, you know, the enemy won't let him enjoy it. Our Lord Jesus said, my peace, I live with you. One of the things that lets you know what God has given to you is that there is peace. And peace is simply, you see, in your physical body, if I move my hands now, you know, there is peace amongst the fingers. There is no pain because there is no dislocation. Lack of peace simply says there is dislocation. Something is out. And like we learned, I think it was the other Wednesday. That's why alcohol, drugs, and all of that is a big seller in our world today. Because a lot of people don't have peace. But alcohol can suspend the notice of the knowing that there is no peace. For maybe 6 hours, 12 hours, depending on the grade the person is taking. That's why it's everywhere. So people come and say, give me beer, give me beer, give me drug, give me drug. They are aching, but they are taking anesthetics or painkiller to numb the pain. And for some people, it's food. They just eat, eat, eat. For some people, it's shopping. They just shop, shop, shop. But there's a dislocation. There's no peace. Praise the Lord. So all those are indications. Anyway, so he said, if you worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms. And this worship, what does worship imply? Anybody help me? What, what do you understand by worship when the Bible says worship? Did he mean Jesus sing me a song? No. Worship simply means obey. So when we sing these songs, the songs we sing as worship songs in church should actually be called worship-aiding songs. They are not worship songs. They are worship-aiding songs. They are songs that when you sing them, if God asks you to do something that you're struggling with, when you remember them, when you sing them, it makes obeying him what? Easier. So music while you obey. Worship-aiding songs. But the songs themselves, no, are not. Because there are people who are totally disobedient that will sing those songs and you'll be wondering, are you still here? You'll be feeling something in your body. Praise the Lord. So he said, worship me simply was just surrender to me. Acknowledge me, obey me. But I want to show something there, very interesting, that will help us tonight. In verse 6, that same 6, it says, The devil said to our Lord Jesus, all this authority I'll give to you, and their glory for this has what? Been delivered to me. If you have your Bible, understand, been delivered to me. Who delivered it to him? Adam delivered it to him. How? By disobeying God. So, what the promise of God, what God has given to me, I can take it what? And deliver to Satan. The kingdoms of this world have been delivered, handed over. To me. And Jesus didn't say, no, you're lying. What happened there? Just Genesis 3. God said, I put you in charge of the earth. Have dominion. You know, replenish this, this and that. But don't do this. So, The moment they disobeyed God and obeyed 
Satan. Let's go to a scripture that will help us understand that very well. Because if you get this, it will help. It will give you strength as a believer. Because you will now see things as um, the pastor said or uh, mommy T said. No, no, no. You, you won't see things that way. Romans chapter 6. We'll understand this and then when we read the scriptures, we'll see what is going on. Romans 6, I'll read from 11. Please, I want to beg you, when you go home, read the whole chapter. Read it in different translations and it will bless you. It says, likewise, you also, Romans 6, 11, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present your members to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Praise the Lord. So when those who say grace and, you know, grace to exponential level, ask them to read the scripture fully. 15 says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Now, this is where I'm going to 16. Let's read it together. I believe it's on the screen. It said, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Note first thing in this scripture. It said, to whom you present yourself, slaves, live to obey. Like we said, man is naive. We have no sense of our own. That's why even under this new covenant, we are the sheep. We are the sheep of Jesus' pasture. Sheep does not think. Sheep follows. At every point in time, like we began, you're either following this one or the other one. So it says, to whomsoever you present yourself, slaves to obey, you become that one slave. So what happened was that Satan was telling Jesus, this world now, I own the people you gave it to, and I own the world. That's why I say it has been delivered to me. So he wasn't just talking about the physical world, he was talking about the men. Because man had what? Presented themselves or himself, Adam and Eve, slaves to obey God. Anytime you present yourself to the enemy to obey him, you become his rightful slave. Now, what does that say to us? Let me hear you say obey. obey. The word obey is a powerful word. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And you know one of the words many people don't like? Obey. Nobody wants to obey. But you see, unconsciously, Whatever you do, you're obeying somebody. You're obeying somebody. Many times we might think, I'm just doing what I want. No. The deceiver is at the background. He's scheming and arranging things, and then you think, no, no, no. At a season, it got popular, I think, uh, somewhere in the U.S., where they have stickers, it says, uh, have you rebelled against authority today? You know, just some of those things, yeah. You know, or question authority. Obey is the critical word. It sounds so simple. It is very simple. But you see, why is that so, people of God? You know why that is so? The thing about you and I that is most like God is that God said you can choose what to do. So when I choose to obey somebody, I've submitted my godness. I get in the point. 
I mean, look at this scripture. I thought I would sign and seal and deliver. No, it said to whomsoever you present yourself, once I obey you, I've become your slave. Why? Because that choice is what is God in me. It is the authority I have. Nobody has the power to control that thing in you. It's called will. You choose what you do. Even God cannot compel us. And that's why that thing came in the garden where he said to Adam and Eve, you may freely eat, but this don't eat. If God didn't put it, man will be a robot. But man had to be left with the opportunity to see A, B, C, D and choose I will obey God. In that sense, it will be God of gods. But the right to choose was given us. Anybody you surrender that right to, you have made the person a God over you. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord. So the Bible makes it very clear. When we are faced in trials in different circumstances and situations, let us see beyond our needs. Let us see beyond our comforts. Let us see beyond our discomforts. Let us see beyond all of that. Let us ask ourselves, by this action, who will I become a slave to? Who am I giving power? Who am I surrendering my sovereignty to? And that's why when our Lord Jesus Christ came, he showed us the pattern. He said, I do nothing of my own. But what was? I see the Father. He was saying, continually, I'm submitted to God. Because before he came, he was one with God. We learned here that Jesus had a, his own will as well. So at the garden, he said, Father, not my will, but what? If he didn't have his will, he also couldn't have died for us. It would have been a sentence. He would have kidnapped and murdered. But he had to have his will to be able to choose not to, but to choose to. And that is what you and I on earth to do continually, to choose not to do our own will, but to do what our Father's will. Praise the Lord. Our time is gone. Let me touch this very area, very important, before we close. Having said all of this, brethren, we ended on Sunday by saying, what do we do? We say, submit to God and resist the devil. Our God has put this system in place and it is workable. It is workable, praise the Lord. It is sweet. Men have gone before us who have lived this life and lived it successfully. And I declare to you hearing me today, you will live this life successfully. In the name of Jesus. Brethren, there is nothing in the Christian life to worry about. The path has been treaded. The road has been paved. Praise the Lord. Romans 12 tells us about the cloud of witnesses. They have finished their races. And that they are there. What are they doing now? They are cheering us on. Praise the Lord. It's not an impossible journey. It's a journey that is doable. Our Lord Jesus has done it. Praise God. Paul did it. James did it. These people have done it. And many in our time are doing it. And you'll be amongst them in the name of Jesus. But critically now, something you must understand and believe. For anybody to live the Christian life successfully, God has made it clear in his word that you won't do it by your power. It won't be by your power. After the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the disciples were now eager to go. He said to them, don't go. He said, wait. Until what? You are endued with power from on high. You don't do it by your power. We actually have such advantage. The devil is so disadvantaged where we are. We have the Holy Ghost to help us. We have the power of God. 
Praise God. We have miracles. Let me say the word miracles. The believer has miracles backing him up. Praise God. How many of us have God provided for financially, miraculously? It looked impossible, but he came through. The pattern is that he knows where you are. Are you hearing me? Everything you need, the Bible says he has given to us all that pertain to life and what? Godliness. God also gives grace. Some of us have been in situations where if you tell people what you have gone through, they'll say you're lying. Because you don't look in any way like that experience. You know what? Our Lord Jesus said to Paul, he said, for my grace is made what? Perfect in your weaknesses. We have grace in weakness. We are not left to run around and just box with the devil. No, we have advantage. We have the omnipotent God. So what am I saying as we run? It says you must, to walk this thing right, this naive man, these naive boys and girls of children of God must believe, must know, must accept that their God is omnipotent. That's what makes Christianity fun. That's what will make the three Hebrew boys to look at the uh, statue of Nebuchadnezzar with the whole kingdom. Brethren, they're not talking about Nigeria. The whole kingdom that will span time zones, bowing and worshiping Nebuchadnezzar to say, Oh king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. It wasn't that they had a death wish. They just knew that their God was bigger. That's why I like a lot of the songs we sang this evening. They just knew their God was bigger. The Christian must know that his God is mightier. It doesn't matter. And they made a statement which just didn't represent God's power. It also represented God's love and intent. They said, we are not careful to answer you. Why? Because our God is what? Able. That's the first one. Let me say, my God is able. able. Yes, that's the first one. But some people stop there. And when people stop there, they fall into another problem because we said we're dealing with a master deceiver. Where people stop only in the ability of God. You know the group they enter? They enter into the group that would have fallen into the last temptation that we saw in Luke 4. Where Satan said to Jesus, jump, jump, jump from this pinnacle. Several things will happen. The people will see you and know you're powerful. And then God will catch you and then it will be a good introduction to your ministry. It will be spectacular. It will be a validation. And you'll just be a wonder. But what did Jesus answer? Did Jesus say, God can't catch me? No. He said, you shall not tempt. What does it mean to tempt? It means to... It's what you do to children. You say, come and see my baby. Come and see me. If I touch my baby here, my baby will do this. You want to do that to God? So, when we believe in his ability, but we let him choose how and when he acts. So, they said, our God is able to deliver us. But if he chooses, don't take his godness away also. He didn't take yours away. Our God is able. Our God is able to, but if he doesn't say, let it be known that we won't change our position. Those two things, you will enjoy this Christian work. You will enjoy this Christian. I'm telling you. You will enjoy this Christian work. Our God, when you wake up every day and you know that there is nothing too hard for your God and that you also know that he has a purpose for your life. Combine those two. You will be able to face every trouble. What would the devil tell you? God hasn't done it because he can't do it. You know it's a lie. 
God hasn't done it because he doesn't love you. So, no, he has a plan for me. Many of us here like surprise gifts. I don't like surprise gifts. If you surprise me, you might be surprised. <laughs> but God might have a surprise for you. You understand what I'm saying? So, you say to that, Jeremiah 32 verse 17. Jeremiah 32. This is a man whom God had sent for years. Telling the nation of Israel, God is going to send the Babylonians. Your nation will be destroyed. You'll all be carried captive. And then, right there and then, God sends him and says, the word of the Lord came to him. I'm jumping, you know, when you just notice, you go. The word of the Lord came to him and said, your, your cousin or whatever is going to come to you and offer for you to buy land. Who buys land in a, in a place where they're taking everybody captive? And when he offers, he says, buy the land from him. Land. That's not what they should be buying at that time. If he's talking of gold, it makes sense. Because if you have gold in your pocket, if you get to Babylon, it will help you to resettle. Buy land. <laughs> Before he knew, the man came. He bought the land. After he finished buying the land. Very interesting account. When you go home, read it. After he finished buying the land, verse 16. This is Jeremiah. Jeremiah is actually very funny. He says, now when I delivered the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Nair, I prayed to the Lord, saying, after he had obeyed you, he said, ah, in fact, I think he must be from Yoruba. Ah, ah, who knows how many times he said that ah. <laughs> that ah is God, <laughs> I'm watching. Ah, <laughs> he'll turn again, ah. <laughs> anyway, ah, Lord God, behold, he said, you have made the heavens and what? The earth, by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. He started telling God how great he is. Verse 25 says, you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Read the last part for me. He said, yeah, the city has been given. <laughs> I said, he finished all that. I said, God, but this is what you said to me. Do you understand? It means he said, you know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. But I know you can do all things. That's the life of the Christian. You credit him with omnipotence. If anybody failed that test of Jeremiah, they wouldn't even blame them at all. You are the same one prophesying. That's why I say, you say you have said to me, you are all these things, though. you are the one who said you will destroy, you will take it. Then in the same place, you say buy land. Isn't it contradictory? But you see, power can make sense of every contradiction. Is there anything? Too hard for you. Let me speak a word to somebody here. Is there anything too hard for the Lord in the situation you're going through now? Let the devil answer that question. Is there anything? There's nothing. Is there anything? And because of that, God responded to him. Look at 26 and 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Jehovah now, you know, in his fatherly nature, said to him, 27 now. He said, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything to... That's what he's saying. You know, he, he said, you get it. You get it. You know me. You get it. Somebody here is getting it tonight. Yeah. And forever in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We get it. This is what makes the devil, you know, incapacitated where we are. It disorganizes him. Men who know the power of God. Brethren, you see, when Pastor Ken stands there, I don't like poverty. Praise God. I don't know. But you see, it's not a sin. Poverty is not a sin. So if it's God's will that I pass through it, beautiful. But brethren, it will not disturb me one bit. 
You know why? The day God wants to prosper you, if you like, be struggling to be poor. It won't. When God wants to convert your situation, eh, no matter how of Dara you're from, even from the local Dara, you, <laughs> he will just expand you to the left, to the right. Do you understand what I'm saying? God can change. You don't have to strive to change your situation. You understand what I'm saying? No, we are believers. We are children of the most high God. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That, will, that he will ex. When God begins to lift you, how can you put yourself down? God will lift somebody. God, you see, when God lifts you, no matter how you struggle, your leg won't touch the ground. You'll just be kicking like those small children that are revolting. They'll just be taking you high. But that somebody, a man wakes up every day, you want to become something. You're not white. The devil will deal with you. He will offer you packages that you will know are terrible. So to enjoy this work, we have to settle it. He can, in a day, in a day, he can turn things around. He can. Praise the Lord. And according to your purpose and what he has purpose for you, he will. He will. Praise the Lord. He will. He will make everything to fall in pleasant places for you. He will so that you will finish and it will be said you accomplished your purpose. That's what God does. So the believer understands that it's settled. So you're not under pressure. They say time is passing, time is passing. John the Baptist's age mate, how many of them do you know their names? Zechariah and Elizabeth, they are contemporaries. How many of them do you know the children where they're born? All those that gave, to, gave birth to their children at 17, at 18, 19. Do we know their children's name? But these Zechariah and Elizabeth are their own tarried to maybe when they were 80 or 90. We still know his name now. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Time is passing, time is passing. Where do you want the record to be entered? Is it in eternity or is it in daily times? Praise the Lord. Second thing which, you know, is implied from this is God loves you. Praise the Lord. And that is, that is what we begin the faith with. John 3, 16. For God so loved, for God so loved you, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. When you know that somebody loves you, it will be difficult for them to deceive you against the person. One of the reasons many children are misled from the advice of their parents. The first thing they start believing is that their parents don't love them. They see one friend that maybe gives them tom-tom or gives them credit or gives them movies to watch. And they think that that friend loves them. He's not paying rent for you. He's not paying school fees. He's not, he can't, nothing. He's just giving you things that are like, uh, I don't know what to call it. Then you now think this, my friend, is very dear to me. The enemy has started penetrating when you believe someone loves you, it will be difficult to deceive you against the person. Christians, we must, we must believe God's love for us. You know, there are so many things in the Bible that we read and then we just pass them over. They said, to be born again, you must believe that Jesus Christ died for you. Every temptation you should bring it side by side. Oh boy, this thing you're tempting me with, you go die for me. Do you understand? Anybody that wants to lead you contrary to what Christ said, let him start from first things first. Jesus did what? Die. What are you willing to, what have you done for me? What have you done? So as we round up, Romans 8, 31 and 32, our time is gone. Romans 8, 31 and 32, as we rise on our feet. It says then, what then shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? Help me pray to your neighbor. God is for you. Let's rise and have him. God is for you. God is for you. 32 now says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Let's just bless the Lord. Let's bless the Lord. Let's celebrate our God. Let's exalt our God. Let's worship our God. Let's adore him. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. He's excellent. There is none, none, none like him. 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 Begin to thank him. Begin to thank him for your life. Begin to thank him for his plan. Begin to thank him for his hand upon you. Begin to thank him for the future he has for you. In John 14, our Lord Jesus Christ said to the disciples, He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. He said to them, If it were not so, I would have told you. Everything he's saying to us is for our good. Everything he's doing is for our good. The instruction is for our good. The counsel is for our good. The trials you're passing through is for your good. He said they're working for you. These things are part of what I package to bless you. I want you to thank the Lord. Thank him. I want you to bless him. Tell him you are my God. I worship you. Thank 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 you. Lord, we appreciate you. Lord, we appreciate you. Lord, we appreciate you. Lord, we appreciate you. Thank you, my King. Thank you, my God. Thank you, the lover of my soul. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my Savior. Thank you, my Redeemer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to thank him from your heart. I want you to thank him. Experience his love. Pour out your heart to him. Let him know that, that, he, that you appreciate him. That you, that you appreciate him. That you see better. That your eyes are opening. That you can understand now. That you can see why. That you're stronger now. You're wiser now. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Lord, we thank you. Listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09 290 9000 or 0703 You can find us online at www. The Father's Church Online.org. God bless you.